And looking at round 11s this year, Chicago 9 and 2, Optic Gaming Los Angeles 4 and 5. It's been all defense and who is on the attack? It's going to be Optic Gaming. I don't think you go back to B here. It was way too telegraphed. The only thing that's worked for them has been that A execute. And it looks like for right now, they're going to start in the middle of the map. But one of the things they like to do early in the year was that mid-map pressure yep. behind smokes. Try to get into the second story of oh the boy. B house. <gasps> Prestini spots him, but Prestini gets smoked. He just gets evaporated. That's the first blood for Optic. Now, what can you do behind it? The utility coming in over the top. It's not going to connect. The opening in the defense is there for Optic. Set up behind the They're bar. They're all here. All of Chicago's here. They're all inside They're here on the bar. cross. There's the first kill from Scum. That's going to be bombed down. The peak comes in from Hollow. What a gunfight when that is. It's madness inside of the B house. Scum just trying to finesse, trying to get the kill. Envoy going to peek from outside. The challenge is going to come in. Scum's got to reload. No one can finish the kill. Arceus picks up two. It's all going to be on TJ now. 1v1, and Wahunchman win it! Envoy gets the kill in the 1v1, and they move on! It's madness! What the heck was that round? And that, folks, is what excellent, top-notch, most entertaining, edge-of-your-seat, anxiety-inducing Call of Duty can look like at its absolute best. And we got a lot of that this past weekend. We also have a lot of to talk about on this program. So welcome to Search and Destroy, our weekly ESPN Esports Call of Duty League program. And we are on the precipice of crowning a world champion in our first season of Call of Duty League. That's happening this weekend. But even before we get there and unpack all that will happen this weekend with four teams remaining, we have a whole bunch to talk about. Emily and I joining you as usual, and Easy Mac Austin with us, analyst for Atlanta Face. Thanks for joining us, bud. This is uh, uh, an, an off week. I'm sure you're not really that busy, so thanks for uh, filling us in, being, no being here. I look forward to it every time. <laughs> Taking time out of your schedule, getting the team prepared for this weekend, possibly crowning a world championship, being here for us. Uh, well, speaking of preparation, Austin, all of a sudden, with days to go before the Final four shake down and a champion is crowned with millions of dollars on the line. We receive a patch and we read the patch notes and it doesn't seem like much would be affected in terms of Call of Duty League. And then the players log in as they normally would and they get started with scrims and they equip their MP5s, the most popular gun in the league. I'm sure you're aware of that. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, ladies and gentlemen and folks. Everything goes to hell. Online, there are reactions to what many might seem to be minor changes, but definitely significant changes to the MP5. The two major categories are the aim down sight zoom <laughs> that has been uh, uh, changed to be more focused, and also the change in the recoil pattern and timing. Austin, more specifically, give us some scope on exactly what changed, but also how it can negatively impact the players with days to go before champs. So basically, the the whole switch that happened was the gun, the gun's AD, like how it looks when it's ADS looks a lot different now. Well, not a lot different, but somewhat. But there's also been like a recoil um, nerf, I guess. So the the recoil is a lot more like uh, vertical. So it's just it's just a lot to. It's like small changes that wouldn't mean anything to anyone else other than the guys that play this 12 hours a day that notice like the little things. So like when 
let's say like you're on Gunrunner and you're taking like a challenge from top crates all the way down field, like you have to pull down. Like it's just a little bit different, but it's like it's like Call of Duty went full Fortnite, and you never want to go full Fortnite, especially right before the biggest tournament. Which it's just it's what is so let's describe let's describe full Fortnite. Full, so like what does Fortnite, Fortnite mean? At the beginning, was known for always adding in like weird patches and adding in all these weird new items right before tournaments and uh yeah so we, we get our very own first uh fortnite-esque uh, patch right before champs and it was kind of funny because i remember reading like that it was coming and i got all worried because usually when a patch comes it comes with a whole host of like glitches and airs and everything in between and um ash one of the community leaders said like it's not going to be affecting anything that the CDL uses. And I was so excited. And then, and then, <laughs> and then they silently nerfed the MP5 and kind of just throw it in there. Like no one was going to notice. And yeah, uh, our guys noticed like <laughs> within like five minutes of warming up, like they were all complaining about it. And uh, yeah, here we are. So Emily, it's important to note. Yeah. It's important to note that this was not part of the patch notes. This was noticed mm -hmm. by players playing this. And also, like you said, the senior community manager essentially said, you know, this is not going to affect guns that the CDL players play necessarily. And it ended up affecting the most important gun that literally uh, the gun play. that everyone uses. Yes. Um, I think like at this point, I'm just like so tired. Uh, but and I'm sure like I can't even imagine how the players must feel, honestly. Um, I guess this is another round of like disappointed, but not surprised um again the major issue i have that i've repeated ad nauseum throughout the entire thing is that infinity ward not only patches these things in but doesn't give any sort of warning or even a heads up in the patch notes as they're released to the changes coming through um which is just like and then and then also actively says like we're not affecting anything pros use and then it affects the gun that literally everyone uses um in terms of prep, I mean, even so, like, I talked to Shawnee this morning, um, and he basically made the point is he was like, you know, it could be could end up being really good for us because, uh, you know, we can just swap scraps to AR and, and it could end up being really great because, you know, we we have done that before and, and it works great for us. But the main issue is prep, and I'm sure Austin can speak to this way better than I can, but like it, it actively affects your preparation before championship weekend with less than a week prior to it, which is just like, I mean, at the end of the season, I feel like this, this you know, was inevitable given the season we've had, given the fact that our first event was also uh, fairly dramatically affected by a patch that came right as the launch weekend was beginning uh but yeah it's just i mean it's like the the latest in a very long line of really terrible communication which we kind of knew was coming because it was infinity ward and they're not known for balancing things for competitive but yeah i feel like i'm not saying anything new that i haven't said on this show like literally every week but that is also part of the problem it so, is so bad too because like uh, this could affect like it's a trickle-down effect, so it starts with if you do have to run a third AR, that takes a lot of pressure off the map for teams. And a lot of the teams here actually have three good ARs, so it, it, that mm -hmm. doesn't really help or hurt anyone. 
so then it goes on to your hard point game. Like you're gonna have to get used to using, you know, three ARs to build that pressure still. And you got to figure that out within three days on limited practice, because we're already like a lot of teams are struggling to find practice because there's only three teams left or four teams left and you can only practice three of them. And so and it takes a lot of reps, like more than what people would think to, you know, get that timing down. And now you're just completely changing one player's timing, which affects every, all the other four players timings. And it's just, yeah, it's just unfortunate. So we're also uh, at the tier where like the top team is going to get $1.5 million. The fourth place team is going to get $450,000. So like the big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it kind of like puts an even bigger asterisk on it because it's just, I don't know. It's just unnecessary. It just makes the, the storylines a little bit worse for the, for the whole league, which kind of sucks. It would be because, like the the, yeah. the best the best way that or the, the, a comparison that I tried to make. So I've been reporting on this all day. I've been talking to sources, et cetera. I'll tell you what I've found in a second. And actually, a, an article will be going up soon at ESPN.com/esports uh, with some comments. Uh, some players wish to remain anonymous. I'll, I'll I'll report to you what I found. The one comparison I want to make is. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal to many, to the untrained eye, to many people. But like you said, Austin, to people who play this game eight to 12 hours a day, this is very significant. Imagine, Austin, you and I are hockey fans. Imagine during the Stanley Cup playoffs if they suddenly said, you know what? Uh, players are no longer allowed to tape their sticks. Or it, players. It, an, even, an even better one would be like adding like five ounces onto your stick. Yeah. Like any normal person doesn't feel weight. that. But then when, when right. like Ovechkin goes on and shoots and he just he feels like a weight difference and it just yeah it's just that and, and small you're, that you're not you, you have you have weight on the stick you can't tape your stick imagine mm. you're not allowed to use a curve you have to have a flat blade oh yeah but the point is is that they tell you this three days before game one of the Stanley Cup final like the 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 thing is is that it doesn't sound like it's a significant change to the untrained eye but it would be astronomical to the people who are constantly playing the game and mm -hmm. so now that begs the question and, and, okay so going to my reporting before we ask you how the how the phase have handled this austin so one thing i have heard and, and and slasher reported this publicly first is that there was a conversation to be had between the cdl teams and the league and possibly infinity ward about possibly reverting back what i have found out through sources is that the earliest that the uh, that they could revert the game back to its previous version was Friday. So even if they were to do that, there wouldn't have been enough time necessarily to get scrims in and get like adequate prep. And so that is a big reason why it is going to remain as such so that you can have the extra couple days at least to be able to practice on this. It's not... I guess it's not massively detrimental to the point like this is like going to be a fundamental change, but this is big enough that they require that much time in order to ramp up as much as they can before uh, before champs. So that's that's what I've heard. I've also heard that, um, I mean, obviously the reaction is not great. I want to know about the Atlanta's reaction, though. Like, like take as much as you're willing to. And any questions we ask here, Austin, like, feel free to to no comment, whatever. I don't want you to put yourself in a precarious situation here. Of course, uh, you're doing us, you know, doing us a good service being on the show. But like, what was Atlanta's reaction? How have you guys been incorporating this? Uh, and, and where are you? Like, where are you in the sense of being comfortable with the changes right now? 
So I, I don't know the discussions around the reverting, but I would have personally loved it to be reverted, even if it's on Friday, because, you know, this whole week, like we go in, uh, you know, we have practices all week anyways, but the whole point of this week is to stay warm and stay hot. It's not to learn new tactics. Like the things we're learning is in S&D right now. We're going or like, you know, a lot of teams are going to be going over that. Like you're not going over Dom and trying to learn new things because that's what you've been doing all season long, which is, you know, it kind of nullifies what they're saying about re not reverting the patch. But, you know, our, our guys, they woke up, they were a little tilted when they when they all like started playing the game and realized how bad it was because they noticed it at, I think it was 1.30 and we had a 2 p.m. scrim. So they were, it was it was fun going into that 2 p.m. But, um, you know, that, that's, it, it went good. And then today's been going good. So um, I think Tyler Abizi was, he was at his strongest when the MP5 nerf first hit when the 10 millimeter mags went, um, he put up like a 1.3 that weekend and he was the strongest SMG by far. And, uh, you know, I think when the SMGs become harder to use, our talent on the SMGs kind of shines more than others. So it, it gives us a cushion and that other teams might not have. And it, it, I think it just allows our AR players more freedom and it allows our SMGs to, you know, make plays that they might not have done because they were playing their life before, but now they can try to make plays more and let the ARs, you know, play safe and do their own thing, which I think that works out really well for us. And I think our guys kind of, they adapt pretty fast. Um, every meta besides one, we were like really good right off the rip. So um, I don't think this will be anything major, but it's just that it could be. Um, well, I don't know. I, I feel like everyone in the, in the top four is really flexible and they... They can adapt over this as uh, MW's theme word has been. So, uh, got to make the best of what we got. And oh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I did get one comment that said, you know, listen, like anytime something like this happens, the CDL players are professional enough to, yeah, they'll complain about it, but they're going to be ready anyway. Uh, which was another prevalent thought yeah. like no matter what they're going to be ready and they're going to put on a show uh which is which has really been the sentiment for years and years i mean honestly shout out to the players for sticking it through this entire season yep, yeah like absolutely. no one's happy about this like no one's yeah. going around like secretly cheering but like <laughs> it, it's still a competition and like all the teams that are left like our guys all want to beat so it's not like we're gonna go out there and not put out 100 percent effort just because yeah. something didn't go our way so like I don't know. I respect that mindset that definitely our team has. We've had it from day one from when the game first came out and everyone was kind of complaining about it. You know, Crowder and RJ have made sure that the guys are like really mentally strong and like they don't let them complain. They just they make sure that they're in a positive mindset. And, you know, especially this week, that's what's it's a focus of it is, you know, being positive, coming in hot, having clean comms and not worrying about all the noise on the outside because starting to be more and more. <laughs> So we're we're gonna we're gonna break down all things playoffs. One thing I do want to ask Emily is you cover multiple esports, mm -hmm. and for those that are watching right now who aren't necessarily aware of how other esports handle updates, what would you say is a great example yeah. of a league that actually does God. a good job in incorporating updates into their esport? Um. Hmm. I mean. As far as like patch notes and warnings and stuff, like I, I, I almost hate to say this because they were really bad at it in the beginning and it took many, many years for them to get to the point where they're at. 
But I will say, I do think Riot with League of Legends specifically, and also with the communication they've had around Valorant since it launched, um, I think they have done a really good job of learning from some pretty massive mistakes they've made. Like, uh, for example, there was, uh, I mean, I think the patch that everyone kind of points to is this something called the Juggernaut patch, which happened right before World Championship, and it actively affected like multiple teams that went to that worlds in terms of how they're preparing who they were even starting in top lane because that was the lane that affected the most and uh there was another patch that came through that completely eradicated lane swaps when people had been doing them all year uh again during mid playoffs right before qualifying for the world championship so that was another one since then i feel like they've been pretty good about being like we're gonna have the major preseason patch we're gonna have the mini major like mid-season patch and then any changes we have are not going to be like super massive outside of those um so it took a while to get there but i i do kind of want to give them credit for being pretty good across the past two years i haven't seen a lot of like like sure people always are going to complain about meta shifts and stuff like that but i haven't seen any major problems over the past few years the other uh so there's there's a little bit more one other thing that i heard that from a couple of sources about this is, and we'll move on. I, I do have an article, like I said, coming up at ESPN.com slash esports was that there might've been a timing miscommunication, whether you believe this or not, uh, between what playoffs was and what champs was, uh, have heard that, but, uh, okay. whether you decide to believe that is completely up to you. Why don't we move on to the playoffs? However, you might be wondering at this point, Hey, you have a member of the Atlanta phase on your show. Why are you Arda ardent Toronto ultra fan wearing a London Royal Ravens shirt. Why is this happening? Why are you doing this? Are you defecting? Are you going to move to England? Are you just all of a sudden a Royal Ravens fan? Are you a bandwagon jumper, Arda? Is that what you're doing? The answer is no. I'm not jumping a bandwagon. I am not trying to appease both of our superiors, Emily and I, because yeah, they are both our, massive our, Royal both Ravens of our fans. Bosses are Royal Ravens fans. No, so I'm not trying to appease them either, even though I probably should be. So yeah, let's go Royal Ravens. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, what the reason I'm wearing this, this is a very specific one actually. Uh, this is in support of Zero. That's why I am wearing this. I am supporting Trey because he has had a very good but a very rough beginning to the postseason, in particular the oh, connectivity God. issues that he had to go through. So for him to be able to bounce back and for the Royal Ravens to be able to be in the position that they are in, I want to give Zero, I want to give the Royal Ravens a shout out. For that tumultuous roller coaster of a journey that has still somehow, some way, they've been able to bounce back and make it to the final four. But we have to address the element elephant in the room. As great as this past weekend was, we had some problems to start the playoffs, Emily, uh, and it just it was it's been very unfortunate. And the way the league has handled it, hopefully the problems are gone. But that's still looming going into champs. Yeah, so you and I wrote a roundtable every single day, and every day we we began it with like it's been zero days since a disconnect or like massive technical issue. Um, the biggest thing for me coming out of this is that again, so we've talked about a lack of communication from IW to the league. Uh, to some extent, depending on how much you believe Activision is actually able to put pressure on their developers or not. Um, that I'll leave that up to the people to decide. Uh, but 
the other big thing has been the miscommunication or lack of communication coming out of the league ops themselves regarding a few other things we've had um, rulings for people like not being in their chairs at specific times or like, you know, uh, referee issues, um, server issues, that kind of thing. There have been certain cases where they've been really uh, not as communicative as I would have hoped. Uh, and this was weird because we had multiple disconnects. So the first was actually like you skip to the Royal Ravens. And I understand why, because the Royal Ravens have had a lot of like really unlucky technical issues across the board. But the first one was Optic, where Kenny actually opts out of playing in their final match. They get Dashy to like roll out of bed or from whatever he was doing. Like, I think he might have <laughs> actually been in a match doing something else. Uh, and he comes up huge for Optic in, in their final series because someone, you know, like, so the, the big thing and the big reason why I'm pointing out the miscommunication is because what the lack of communication led to was them delaying the matches, which is totally fine. But again, no one knew this until people realized that they were updating the website in real time. And... And the matches were like still being played and then a few players actually ended up spoiling some stuff on Twitter. And then after that, after that day three, that was day three, right? Yeah. After that, it was smooth sailing in days four and five. Um, everyone knew the matches were delayed. The results, as far as I know, weren't getting spoiled outside of maybe a few tweets. Um, but yeah, so then we ended up being like, okay, the matches are being delayed, which hints to the fact that someone was actively DDoSing IPs. Um, like the 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 infer like you can infer from the mis the lack of communication the fact that this suddenly didn't happen when they were delaying the viewing of the matches um and so i would have liked to see some communication on that because uh you know for for reasons that again like i'm sure austin can speak to a lot better than me but the nature of COD is not that you are on a competitive ladder, right? So you're constantly kind of giving out your information. You're playing with people that you you may or may not know. It's it's basically, I think, a, a little bit easier to find a COD player's IP address than it would be for, say, like a, a pro league player, although league did have some of these issues in its infancy. Um, so, yeah, like, I, again, like no one came out and said this is exactly what it is, but you can infer from what happened afterwards that it is what it is. And so to have that marring the first few days of competition is pretty ridiculous, honestly. Like, I was so mad. Uh, and you can't tell now because I've hopefully let go of some of the anger. But, like, I was so pissed off on behalf of the players. Like, I cannot imagine being a player in this league this year, honestly. Like, I, I just can't. It's actually insane. Um, as, as soon as I saw that second lag out on Zero, we were like... Because on TeamSpeak, it shows your IP address. So we were like, guys, mm. no other TeamSpeaks. Like, lock it all down. <laughs> Learn how to change your IPs. We're getting full protection. We're doing this all. Yeah. And but, I think, like, I isn't again, it crazy that, is, that that, that falls on you to, to do? Yeah, is that, like, COD doesn't have, like, a closed ladder system. Like, if you're coming up the scene, you're asking people for 10s, right? So you're probably in a lot of TeamSpeaks. You're probably giving up your IP address. Yeah. So... I do want to mention one thing. So this was asked of Commissioner Ferris. Uh, I was part of a conference call, a, 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 conf a media conference with the commissioner, and this was brought up. And she was she didn't give too much detail on it, but this is what she said. She said, there's no final decision yet 
on whether or not the Champs games will be played on delay. This was on August 25th, so yesterday. They are assessing, collaborating with teams, having an active dialogue, but not much to share in detail at this time. I have heard that the decision could be made as late as the day of. We're not entirely sure exactly when this decision will be made, whether it will be live or, or it will be on delay. Regarding the connectivity issues early in the playoffs, the commissioner said they took certain measures to combat major problems. Things continued to smooth out. Certainly through this past weekend, matches progressed without similar interruptions. Team across the board putting in a good effort. So to their credit, this past weekend was very good. And hopefully this continues. Correct. After the first two days, things were great. Hopefully that continues. Because it's 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 such a dichotomy, right? The first two days, what a mess. But then you have this past weekend, which is some of the best esports we've seen all year, not just COD. It was edge of your seat, excitement. It was thrilling. It was roller coaster ride of emotions. We saw some insane pop offs. We saw some fantastic performances, Austin. And that's really like when you look at it, it's like that's what we've been waiting for all along. That's Call of Duty competitive at its best, right? Yeah, like even in like the darkest times of this year, there's still been some really bright matchups. Like a lot of the semifinals and the homestand tournaments were really fun to watch. I think in a perfect world, we play these matches like really like, you know, like a Monday or Tuesday. If we can like make sure players are like off Twitter for a whole week, like full NDAs, like perfect world. Never going to happen, though. Because, like, if they could record all 10 POVs of it early, no risk of a DDoS, no risk of anything happening, and then edit it as good as they were editing, like, Warzone Weekend, it would be amazing. And, like, they would never miss any important kills, and, like, they could they could make edited content, like, clips in the po- for the post-game show to, like, sh- like, break down plays, and it would just be, like, it would just be perfect. But, obviously, we're not in a perfect world, so... um. I think you just got to stick to what they did this weekend, whatever they did do, um, and just keep going with what worked because uh, that that Saturday Sunday was actually really good. There was a lot of entertaining matchups, and and you know there was nothing really publicly on Twitter and like any negatives or anything. So I I think you just got to stick to uh, what's working right now. Yeah, I mean if they don't delay the matches and this happens again, that's uh, a massive, massive issue. So I would encourage them to keep everything on a delay so that we don't get hit with DDoS because it only again, helps them. Yeah, like it, like just like especially if you're not going to communicate these things like as they're happening, just make sure that it cannot happen so then retroactively we can't be like you already literally knew what to do how to prevent this and you could have and you didn't because that would be the absolute worst case scenario because we already have like we've said multiple times in the show already and multiple times across the season we already have kind of a big asterisk over the season to begin with um and like i pointed out the difference between 1.5 a million dollars and $450,000 is massive. So, and these are all like very interesting and very good, like for very good teams. And I I just want to be able to go into the weekend and just talk about the gameplay and just talk about how people played. Because that was- storylines for all Yeah, that was like the best thing about the final round table that Arda and I did is that we didn't really have to talk about oh, someone got kicked off the server, right? Like, we could just focus on the plays. We could just focus on what happened. And that is uh, apparently a privilege in 
the CDL this year, but it's something that I would like to have this coming weekend for champs because I really just want to be able to talk about what happens, not, you know, they had to wake up Dashi to come in and on this S&D round because Kenny kept getting kicked. And this is so unfortunate too, because like, this is the week we should be building up hype. Like COD champs is on like Saturday. Like this should be like the week where they're going all out hype. And then midweek, we just get this bombshell that hits. And instead of focusing on like these, like potential four, like all these matchups and every one of them are really good matchups. Instead of focusing on that and, you know, like all the individual player stories, we're focusing on another thing happening about the game and not what the players are playing. Like, like it's just taking mm-hmm. the eyes off what's important in the, in the final week of this, of this season. And I'm sure the league really wants to end on a high note. And this just, it like hurts. All right. Well, let's do that then. Let's put that positivity out there. Let's, we've talked about everything that uh, is outside of the game. We have done our due diligence. If you are joining us in progress, you can watch the VOD after the fact to hear all our thoughts about the MP5 nerf and everything that has been happening in the postseason and connect connectivity, etc. All of that you can watch. Now let's focus on the matchups. Let's focus on how the teams got here. Let's start with the Huntsman and Optic Gaming. That might be the series of the year so far. That was the, like, with the stakes on the line, the way that it went down, went down to a 1v1 in round 11 in game five. And actually, Easy Mac, before we came on the air, you actually had some extra insight on that round. Take yeah. us through it. Like, we watched it at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the show, but what else did you notice from that round that gave the Huntsman the edge? So, first off, like, Optic gets that early pick, and, like, like opens up a whole lot of options for them because they could have cut through mid map, rotated sites. Um, they could have. I mean, I personally think they should have just hit the site really, really quickly. But they kind of stuck around and then hit it slowly. But then when you when when they slide in, you know, they clear out the bomb site. But then scumps on this bar staying alive. And what this causes is it allows Chicago to rotate back in, but it also delays how how long like Optic can plant the bomb, and it opens up more avenues for flanks and for you know pinches. So they had a actually Optic had a really good setup to get the bomb down and win the round. But when Scump stays alive for that 15, 20 seconds, it opens up field, it opens up the pinch from statue, it opens up everything. And so Slasher, who's watching mid um, and field, rotates the field because he's worried about the guys getting pinched from window and he wants to check that out. So that opens him up to get killed from Envoy in the field and Envoy ends up flanking and winning the round. So if Scump didn't stay alive for those 15 seconds, they get bombed down, Slasher's watching mid for their pinch, and they can fall back into that the house behind them, and it would have been a lot better for them. I mean, what a crazy series, Emily. Like it, that that This is the kind of series that you're just like, ah, this is what I love about Call of Duty, and there was so much to unpack in it, too. Yeah, I mean, so, like, obviously the narrative that, like, has kind of... I guess been underhyped now to this point, if only because A, people are probably sick of it, but then also B, Optic haven't been like super, super good for most of the year, is that uh, there's obviously the the old Optic versus the Huntsman, which is where all of the, a lot of the old Optic fans went to follow Scump and Hex. Um, and I think there were like, with all streams combined, there were close to like 200, thousand people watching this at once i think i want to say it was the most well watched uh, it was one series of the year it was on one stream but then the yeah then oh, the, really? like, yeah there was another because it was like the call of duty 
I think stream was also having it. I know because one of my friends logged on and he was like, wait, there's only like 7,000 people here. And I'm like, no, you're on the wrong stream. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it was close to 200 K. So it was like by far and away the most viewed series. It was also like, just again, like two teams playing at their, at the best they could like this optic team who we knew at the beginning of the season had the talent adds uh, Draza and hollow, which again, this is something that when we talked about them joining the team, we were like, I don't know how this is going to work, but it's historically across the season. We've had more like rookie talents work out than not. Mm. Um, and so their narrative going into this game and how much each of them contributed throughout this series is like actually insane. I hope that if they decide, like if Optic decides not to keep them, they can find another team for next year because I think both of them, especially Draza, uh, proved that they are obviously CDL like caliber talent. Um, but yeah, like this is this was just uh, previously we talked about like our favorite series to watch on the year. This was probably has usurped my previous favorite series on the year. This was just like, it was just so much fun to watch. Uh, and and it's because these two teams were really evenly matched uh, throughout the entire series. You could see them making in-game adjustments uh, like within maps um, to try to counter what each other was doing. Um, and it, I don't know, it was just, it was, it was really great. It's exactly what I want out of champs, right? Like. Like, we've spent all the time talking about everything else. This is what I want to talk about for an entire show, is, like, how great the matches were. So, yeah, this uh, this was... I mean, I had friends who aren't even, like, CDL fans watching this just because it was so hype. I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the storyline that we definitely did not pay much attention to, or at least it didn't get credit. And I think a part of that is because this was not on LAN. I can imagine a world that if this oh, was gosh. on land, there would have been a separate camera on Hex for a Craziness. whole bunch of this series. And the I fans, actually, like you would have had the well, Let's yeah, the Go fans Optic too, but like versus like the what what were they? I don't even know what Chicago was would be. Well, let's go well, Huntsman. A, yeah, let's go at, Huntsman. In Minnesota, it was like you're not Optic, but or <laughs> something like that, like towards Optic from the Huntsman fans. So. Anyway, let, let me let, so I affectionately called this El Hexico because like of, of the storyline there. And as much as Emily does not <laughs> approve of my El Hexico, it's okay. I have bad jokes. Eight out of ten times. I it appreciate work. it. Uh, so here's the thing. When I've talked to Hex about Optic, he doesn't like to answer questions about Optic anymore. It's almost as if that chapter is just non-existent to him at this point of time in time he doesn't want to address it he is fully focused on the huntsman and this if we were on land this would have brought it all to a head right mm -hmm. like he it, it, i could imagine him on the desk and the fans just getting wrapped up in it and like the old guard versus new guard like emily said this could have been blown up into one of the biggest moments of the year just from a history and, for him too. Right. And, oh, and, yeah. and just imagine that moment, okay? Imagine we're on land. Imagine round 11, the way it went down. Envoy gets the final kill in the 1v1. You have a camera on Hex. You show the instant replay and you show Hex's pop-off. Like, that is such a money moment. 
That is such mm-hmm. a beautiful moment that could have been captured. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it. But like, just think about how that would have unfolded and then what that would mean for next season too. You know, imagine a world where Optic continues to roll and gets better and better. And then they meet in the next first game next season and Optic wins. You know, like then you get a rivalry brewing. But we never really got that because it wasn't ever really addressed. It's kind of swept under the carpet. It was one of those storylines that we didn't focus on because there's so much else to focus on. Right. But even in game. But yeah, I agree with you, Emily. Like my I picked my favorite series to be uh, Mutineers and Huntsman just because of the the whole twin battle that happened mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Uh, okay, that Atlanta yeah. happened to win. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but like that was one of my favorite series for the storyline itself. And this one, had it been on land, I mean, action-wise, for sure, a favorite series. Storyline-wise, had it been in person, I think it would have been blown out as well. But, it hurts to think about land for this one because like the New York-London matchup, like phenomenal. Um, Austin versus Chicago, obviously, is going to be a great one. Actually, the Dallas versus Toronto, I thought that was a great storyline because of how successful Toronto's been versus the top teams. And... It was kind of like a statement match for Dallas. I thought that would have been a wonderful matchup on land. Even like the battle for LA, I thought that was enjoyable. There's just so many of this playoffs. That's kind of why even in the worst year, I'm still watching Call of Duty and I still love it. And yeah, it's just these matchups continue to be great every weekend and week out. All right, let's talk about uh, the other teams that have made it in. The Royal Ravens, uh, they somehow, some way, they are the underdog team now. You got the top three teams that many people would have expected. You put you put your champs predictions at the start of the season. Probably the three teams of the four that were in mm-hmm. are in. And actually, mm-hmm. to be honest, maybe people would have put London at the start of the season based on the lineup. Maybe there would have been a little bit more optic based on their longevity. Maybe there would have there would have been a lot of discrepancy in that fourth position, right? But as the season went on, a lot of people weren't necessarily putting London as the fourth team to make it to champs. But here we are. They scraped it through. They made it by. They grinded it out in the elimination bracket. They won the run back against Toronto in, in more convincing fashion. And now they find themselves in Final Four. Emily, what do you what do you make of this run that London has been on? And and, and why is Shawnee the focal point of this? Why is he the spotlight on this? Um, I mean, I think Shawnee's a spotlight just because he had that uh, insane round two on Ramaza. Um, but I mean, he just he was just playing out of his mind uh, all weekend. I think the reason why the Royal Ravens specifically are such a really interesting storyline is that, like, for example, I know I think you picked Florida to be here. I picked mm-hmm. the New York Subliners. Um, both of those teams have been eliminated. Uh, the... Royal Ravens to come out and not only to turn it on at champs time specifically, but additionally to turn it on after their like incredibly unfortunate first series and have the games they did um, in their next two series is like just like incredible mental. First of all, just incredible mental fortitude. But then also this is by far the best that I've seen London play all year um, because everyone like everyone is just suddenly clicking for whatever reason. Uh, and that's like, I don't, I don't know what you could chalk it up to previously. It was London would always kind of do the thing that we also said that Minnesota would do, but they'd get further in a bracket like online Minnesota where like they would have these leads and then they'd make one mistake and then suddenly they lose a hard point or 
they come down to really close S and D round and they manage to lose that S and D round. Cause they like play too slow. Um, stuff like that. Like I talked to Shawnee about the fact that they've been playing a lot quicker on S and D and obviously he's not going to reveal like a lot of S and D strats. Cause that's the most difficult thing, but him coming onto the team, um, that's part of what he brought is just there. They will play a lot faster. And you saw it this past weekend, uh, in, in their series, um, which I think is really important because one of the main criticisms of this team, I think, is that they did play too slow, that they did overly rely on Wesking kind of sitting back on the sniper. Um, and I feel like that's something that they have changed and, and worked on, A, since the addition of Shawnee, but just B, generally watching them this past uh, this past weekend. I thought they were playing a lot faster. But really, the thing I wanted to point out is their mental fortitude. Because like after that first series, you're just like, okay, like how on earth does this team... Yeah. like come back and and make it to championship weekend and and they did and they did it by i mean shawnee is the easy like man to point out because he was just like absolutely popping off but this entire team is playing i would say the best cod i've seen them play all year well speaking of shawnee that, oh go ahead austin i think that first game actually hurt them less than it would hurt any other team just because of what they've gone through this year it was just like well it happened again <laughs> Guess we just have to go 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 again tomorrow, boys, and we got this. And, and I think any other team would have been much more distraught and angry about it, but I think they just kind of took their lump and made it in the gold. And that's exactly what they did. Emily had a chance to talk to Shawnee, actually. Here's a clip from that interview. Obviously, you guys come into your first match of champs, trade disconnects. It is... You guys are... Honestly, like I told Scraps and Weskin this, the unluckiest team, you and Optic, uh, and 100%. and it happens to both of you uh, 100%. in your in your first matches. Um obviously you guys take a moment, get really mad about it for yeah. it rightfully so. How did you recover from this? Because that is just like insane mental to recover. Yeah. Honestly, that was part of the the plan. It was like, imagine if we qualify after getting booted in the first round. I mean, we were just like, imagine what, like, the, like just imagine it, like winning three games in a row in losers bracket at the biggest event. We just kept saying that like, it couldn't be anyone else but us. Yeah, for for that to happen at the first round after we we were preparing for Toronto for three weeks, and then that happened, and then uh, yeah, honestly, we weren't even that mad. It's surprising. I think if you ask the coaches, ask everyone who was actually here. That we weren't even that mad. It was like, okay, we have one more chance. If we don't step up in this loser bracket, then we're pretty much out of champs, and that's it. So, um, yeah, like I say, I think the fact that we didn't get mad actually helped us a lot. And honestly, what one one last thing about it, we when we played four v five on that, mm. ma- that that last map, um, me, Brad, Scraps, and Dylan, all as soon as Trey was saying he was lagging out, we all just started saying we have to finish, we have to like win this map. Or we're out, or we're in losers bracket. So we all went extra, extra hard, and I think that just like sparked a fire. So like, everyone was like, "Well, we're down four v five, and we're still putting a hundred and ten percent into it." And yeah, I think that, like I said, like a, a fire, like beneath us for like the loser bracket run. So, so the Royal Ravens. That interview, by the way, in full will be posted after this show on our YouTube channel slash ESPN Esports. The Royal Ravens will be meeting the Huntsmen in elimination round number five. What do you make of that matchup, Austin? Uh, just the idea that the Huntsmen squeak into round five after that epic game we just talked about with Optic Gaming. Uh, how have they looked this postseason to you? Chicago's looked good. Um, 
going into that matchup, I didn't know what to expect. Like, I knew the maps that we got. Um, I liked it. I thought we had a good matchup versus them. I thought we improved a lot since the last time. And then they still played us, like, to the brink. And I actually loved the way they played the next day, where they bounced back. And, you know, even though they got pushed all the way to that round 11, I thought they've still looked really strong. I don't know where to put my finger on it, but they've still looked, like, it's not like they're barely scraping by it's like it seems like they look really strong for three maps and then they lose those two maps where it's kind of 50 50 so um i think they're a great team but i think london you know a after that first matchup i think they found like a pat like a fire under that got lit under them and i think they're riding high on that i think them winning a dom was actually really important because that was just missing from them in the past and I think them getting hot again on S and D is a must because they used to be one of the you know elite teams at it, and I think they kind of lost that, but they're they're finding it again, which is really nice to see because if they do match up well against Chicago, they're gonna have to take either a Dom or an S and D because I feel like they match up really well in hard points. So I think feel like that those S and Ds are a tiebreaker, and right now I give it to Chicago, but. Um, I know Chicago. Uh, both teams are putting in a lot of work into them, uh, into the S and D. So we'll have to see. So the uh, winner of the Chicago Huntsman London Royal Ravens match. So there's going to be three matches on Saturday. Huntsman Royal Ravens. The winner of that will meet the loser of Atlanta and Dallas. That will be the final elimination game. The winner of that game will go to Championship Sunday and face the winner of Atlanta and Dallas. As you can see, the bracket on your screen right now somebody or a team that is not part of the final four emily are the florida mutineers and yes you mentioned it i had predicted florida to get far and i thought that they were the best team at one point in the league particularly in online play and they'd been racking up tournament victories after tournament victories and they looked extremely impressive and now here they are on the outside looking in what do you think happened there I mean, I think uh, I was I was looking back at their match with optics. I wanted to remind myself of what happened. Um, like, so Cave Hardpoint, they just got out to a really strong uh, lead. And I think one of the, the things about Cave specifically that a lot of people tend to forget, uh, it's like one of the most tilting maps for me, honestly, uh, is that like the lead swings can be like really dramatic on Cave, especially just based on how the hills are set up. Um, so Florida did come back and make it close. But when I look at this, uh, this first hard point, I'm like, okay, Optic have a really strong control over over this game, and they're playing really well. Um, because even with the comeback, again, like Cave has such really dramatic swings sometimes that you need to take in the entirety of the map and to really focus on like who looked a lot better. Uh, and I think like even with the point swing optic looked a lot better throughout the entirety of it. Um, the S and D uh, it was basically like the Kenny and, and TJ show, which TJ kind of took over this entire like uh, series against the mutineers. Um, and I just think Optic had a much better understanding of how they wanted to play, uh, sp especially on that first hard point in S and D. Um, on the on the Dom, I think Florida actually gave that up. A lot of it, yes, was like TJ TJ popping off, but um, I think Florida really benefited throughout the season. And I know, like we talked about this, and I don't want to take away from their wins because, especially. 
on a lot of the respawn maps, they were doing like really, really, really well, like when their guns were performing, right? And I don't think the performance of a player like Skies, for example, should go unnoticed because I still think he played really, really well, like from from land to online, just insanely consistent, insanely good the entire year. Um, but I do think Florida benefited from uh, the like. I don't want to say lack of pressure because also one of those things where I did hear and Austin might be able to uh, expound on this. If you can't, it's totally cool because I heard that they were worse in scrims than they were when they came to like this, the quote unquote st online stage. Um, but I also think they did benefit from a lot of really favorable respawns a lot of the time. So the way they were able to control spawns, uh, despite them shifting, uh, sometimes without us knowing that they shifted before an event, uh, was something that definitely benefited them throughout the, throughout the online portion of the year. Again, I'm like not trying to take away anything from them, but I think you do have to take that into consideration when you're looking at their overall like season performance. And then going into this weekend, I think by this point, like other other teams have just caught up to that and, and surpassed them. And so I think that's what happened. I don't think it's like this epic choke from Florida. Um, I don't even think they played like super, super, super poorly. Um, but yeah, like I, when I look at the entirety of their season, that's kind of what I what I look at, uh, especially some of the respawn maps were pretty favorable for them, I'll say. Yeah, I felt their downfall was really weird because in this meta, it allows for three ARs at times. And mm -hmm. I felt like they, in the past, were using three ARs. I thought, you know, that's a win-win for them. And it seemed like when, it's, when the meta switched to more of a three AR, they actually got a lot worse. And it was really confusing. I just don't know where it went wrong. I think their SMGs just kind of struggled a little bit more. And I, I think Pharaoh maybe went down a little bit while the guys in Awakening were still really good. But, you know, I, I think they were a tournament team going into the, you know, that, that three win streak or that three championship uh, run they had. I think that, you know, they they were good. Um, I think I think they were really good uh, given the circumstances. I think they adapted really well and were creative during that meta. And I think teams kind of learned from them and took those strats and how how, the, how some of their setups were. And I just uh, you know I don't like Flora was just able to adapt to that next phase. You know, once people steal your strats, you got to learn how to break those strats and then get even better. And I just don't I didn't see that second layer. And that's kind of where like their downfall was, which it, it was unfortunate because they were really, really, really hot that month spanned, and then it kind of went downhill. All right, let's talk about championship weekend. Of course, four teams remain. Your matchups on Saturday will be the Atlanta Phase taking on the Dallas Empire and the Chicago Huntsman taking on the London Royal Ravens. The winner of Chicago and London will move on to the final elimination round and meet the loser of Atlanta and Dallas. The winner of that matchup will book their ticket to the championship being played on Sunday, uh, and that team will meet the winner of Atlanta-Dallas on Saturday. Austin, take us through prep. Uh, what has been, as much as you're willing to tell us, obviously you don't want to give away too many trade secrets, we understand that, but... Uh, how has scrimming been this week? What 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 teams like? How do you approach this week and preparing? Do you reach out to teams that have been eliminated? Are they willing to participate? How does that work? So the eight teams that got eliminated, they're pretty much like done. <laughs> they're counting their lucky egg, like they're just done. <laughs> um, 
So it really came down to the three remaining teams plus whoever you could convince to get on. So it kind of hurts because like us in Dallas, do we want to be screaming London and Chicago every day, knowing that one of us is going to lose and have to play one of them? Like, no, like, you don't, you don't want that either. So like, um, I, I, I kind of got ahead of the ball and I got, I got a bunch of amateurs. There's a bunch of good guys. I tweeted out a, a name, like a, a list of the names. Um, they were all, they've, uh, we've swimmed against them a couple times, now, I think. And, uh, they've all been really, really helpful. Um, they, they just wanted to help us out and, and come on and, you know, for them, it's it's just it's one week, but it's also getting you know you, you're practicing into pro team. You get to learn how like how their practices go, and you know you get into the good. And I don't want to say good graces, but like we appreciate them doing that for us, and that's pretty much how it's been. So a lot of it's been just staying hot on the guns and just staying hot, you know, in our form, and then working on the strategy like a lot of like odd review after, and then trying to tweak as much but as much as we can to get better but not overthinking it and not overdoing it because this week uh isn't totally about learning it's just about keeping what we have going sticking to the game plan and just finishing it off one last weekend what do the numbers tell you i know you're a big stats guy i know i say this every time but it does bear repeating uh you make your stats public for all of us to see and Many of us, if not all of us, use it, and it's uh, very well appreciated. What do the numbers tell you about Dallas uh, and, and just going into this matchup, as much as you can tell us? So, you know, we've had success in tournaments versus them, but, like, they're actually one of our biggest scrim partners because of how good they are and, like, how fundamentally well they play the game. And it's, uh, I thought it was, you know, because I, I kind of am a fan of all these teams, so I thought it was kind of awesome how, like, Clay had, like, a bad weekend or two. And was like super hard on himself, like almost too hard on himself. I thought, like, I didn't think he was supposed. I don't know, but he came back this week and actually played super well. And um, you know, the MVP Shotzi, you know, that that was well deserved. He's been playing well. I think uh, Hook, you know, he's been playing really well. He's been, you know, really stepping up for this team in the last couple like tournaments. I feel like he was more forgotten in man's eyes. But uh, you know, they're. You know, super good hardpoint team, really sneaky on S and D. I feel like they haven't really gotten their credit in that. And uh, you know, everyone, you know, a lot of people regard them as one of the best Dom teams too. So it's like they're really well well rounded. So there's not a lot of weaknesses, and it's and it's really hard matching up against them because you kind of lock you got to lock horns on a lot of their best maps that they like, and you know that obviously favors them. But yeah, it's gonna be a tough matchup. Um, I think we're, we're really prepared and. All the guys are really excited to play against them again because, you know, all those other matchups don't mean anything. It means nothing. All that matters is just this one matchup for, for it all at the end. And, uh, yeah. That's pretty much uh, our prep for Dallas in a nutshell. I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Uh Looking at both of you guys, I said, so like full disclosure, I did pick you to win the first matchup, but then I have you losing in the grand final. So I'll apologize now. Ooh. And you can totally make fun of me uh, if I'm wrong. Because <laughs> um, I have it as like a, you know, a, a phase win here and then a, a Dallas win later on with you guys. It is really hard to beat a team again. twice though in the same weekend. So um, it's understandable. <laughs> So I think like coming out of this weekend, you your your team looked a little bit better than Dallas. Um, but I think the big thing with Dallas is that whenever I look at this team across like a big tournament like this, I feel like they have the most potential to like just increase their perform 
performance like an insane amount by the time they make it to grand finals. It's like I'm looking at again, I'm looking at all the um the maps that you guys played out and the both series were super, super close. But the thing I noticed about the Dallas series especially is that every map that they lost was still like really, really, really close. So I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this matchup. I think you guys are both the top two teams in this league by a pretty significant margin. So yeah, but yeah, I'm sorry. I have you losing in the grand finals. Yeah, the, the MP5 nerf kind of affects our matchup the most, I think, because right now our third AR is Cell, who I regard as probably the best assault rifle player in the game. Like I think he is disgusting. Um, and then I think Dallas is, should be Illy, I believe. I think it would be Illy, Clay, and Krim. So it'd be it's just super interesting to see how those third ARs match up against each other because I think Illy's phenomenal too. But I think he's a really good sub sneakily and I think he does a lot of the dirty work for the team. So it's like how does Dallas a adapt to that change? And that's kind of what the next three days are going to be all about too. Yeah, I wonder how much championship pedigree is going to come into this too. I mean, obviously Atlanta has championship pedigree. They've shown it this year and they do have resumes that are impressive as well. But then you look at Dallas and you're like, well, that's just a whole other level. Like no team would be able to compare to those resumes, especially Clay and Krim, right? Especially Krim. I wonder how much that factors in. I Like how much does that truly matter? Like like just that experience, in your opinion, Mac? I don't... Like, it's tough, because I think it matters, but I think it, it, you can compensate for that in different ways. Like, we have very vocal guys on our team, and even, like, uh, Priesta, for instance, he's finished top three the last three champs. It, like, sneakily, like, not a lot of people know. Like, he finished third, second, and then, obviously, he's top three again this year, so. But, um, you know, we might not have, like, the veteran, veteran leadership, but, like, guys like Major Maniac... Krista, Simp, even like Tyler uh, Abizi has been really vocal this past week. Even like MCs, you know, he's always vocal, but he's more of like the secondary guy. But we like all five of our guys have been like picking up on the comms and like making sure it's clear. I think that's more important. And I think making sure that like you have a guy that can, you know, slow down the game for the other four at, at like a, an important moment is really important. And I think like Chris and RJ have been like super hard on the guys to learn how to not over not be overwhelmed in a moment and being able to slow down the communication slow it down bring the game to like you know a kill here kill here let's focus on a hill instead of all craziness happening i think that's really important i think that's pretty much what championship championship pedigree is is just mm -hmm. learning how to slow down the game and you know you've had that experience and i think crowder and rj have installed that into our guys over the <laughs> over the course of the 10 months so i think we we are in the same level as them, honestly, the same boat, even though we haven't, we don't have the resumes they do. Well, a team that doesn't have any championship pedigree this season as it pertains to home series are the London Royal Ravens, and yet they find themselves able to win their first chip this season as the world championship. So, Emily, let's let's plot a course. Let's make the case for our bosses make the case that the london royal ravens win how do they the... do it how do they do it they, they they how do they beat chicago how do they get out of elimination what 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 are some of the positives that you can I mean, see them bringing to the table so i feel like the really obvious one that would make it the easiest for the london royal ravens you probably already know what i'm gonna say is they have to win on tom um they have to fix 
They're they're dumb, uh, really. Because like honestly, when I think of when I think of the Royal Ravens, like yes, uh, yes, you can uh, find holes in their S and D, but I think they're I think they're really good on that map mode. I think they're also a pretty good hard point team. Um, so then you look at domination. You look, you're like, hmm, one of these statistics does not match the others. Um, and yes, it's dumb. And yes, like if there is a like throwaway mode, if there is a throwaway mode like map mode right now let's be real it's domination but the thing that would make it exponentially easier uh and did make it exponentially easier in their in their final series right against toronto is that they actually won a dom like that made a huge difference like you could tell in that in that series right so it's like just that that is honestly my like key to victory for the mm -hmm. Royal Ravens. It's like you already have the other two map modes down, especially and I already pointed this out, but I like a lot of the adjustments they've made on S and D, especially since Shawnee joined the team. So, you know, like uh figure out the domination and you'll make your lives a lot easier. Austin, who's dominating the stats in this matchup? I think uh Chicago. I think um Yeah. You know, I I really think uh, RC is going to have a bounce back week, and um, you know I think he had a kind of a lackluster weekend. I think everyone would say, except um, that round eleven where he got a two I mean, piece compare, when it mattered the most. To what RC has established Actually, himself sure. as a player, he's six and two in, in round 11s this past week. That's been like the one stat where he's like blowing everyone out of the water. He's six and two in round 11s, but I I still think he had like an off weekend by his standards. I don't think he's happy about it. I think you know in this matchup. He's gonna be the one that's you know he's he's gonna be that second AR. He's gonna be the one that's matching up against Shawnee. I think you know this is Alex's time to step up and and put out a you know a star performance. All right, before we round out the segment, Emily, uh, you have given your prediction. Uh, we both predicted. Uh, sorry, Austin. We both predicted Dallas to win the grand champion. Wow, this is the Dallas suddenly became the Dallas podcast. <laughs> we <here>. both <laughs> definitely said that. Uh, but uh, I, when, when I look at it, like, here's the thing. I don't think there would be any surprise if any of the top three teams win. I think the biggest surprise obviously would be London. However, it would also yeah. be a very good feel good, feel good story. I think, I think That'd a lot be of people would be all if, three if, of the best teams this entire season. Yes. They would have to be yeah. Imagine Chicago, that. Dallas and, and Atlanta. So here's the thing. That for that story alone, I think that would be fascinating if that were to happen. If London had to go through Chicago and Atlanta and Dallas to secure the world championship, that would be something we would be talking about for years to come in the COD community, for sure. I mean, again, it, as as both Austin and Shawnee said in the interview I had with him, like if any team is mentally prepared to do that, it's the London Royal Ravens, which I guess is that's their other key to success, right? It's like unshakable mental, like yell and scream after a match and then like just put it behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all going down this weekend. Uh, we cannot wait for it. Saturday, you'll get three matchups. The, the grand finals will be determined on Saturday. And then that championship, best of nine, will be happening on Sunday. Uh, Easy Mac, uh, good luck to the Atlanta phase. All the best to your team as you now continue to prepare for champs. Uh, before we go, though, I do want to talk about 
what will happen next season. Many players already thinking about next season. Many players were thinking about next season by, let's say, week six or seven. So here we go. Finally. Early, earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, earlier than that. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, well, guess what? We already had, we, we finally got a reveal. And can I just say, like, to put some positivity out there, Emily, was this not an excellent reveal, though? It was. Did they not do no, a great job did, with this? They actually, they actually did a really good job because, like, I know a lot of people have been really nervous about this because, A, the year that we've had with Modern Warfare from a competitive standpoint, um, it, it's still, like, massively popular, honestly, with people. Uh, but then, but then B, the other, the other thing was that, um, and it's kind of going unsaid a bit, is that it was supposed to be uh, Sledgehammer doing this, and then Treyarch came in and did it, and there was so little, like, preview content that people were like, oh, I don't know, maybe they're putting out an unfinished game, I'm kind of concerned about this, despite the fact that we do know that, at least with Treyarch, we will have a much better line of communication between, like, pros and the developer. Like, we already know that, because we've had that history. Um, but yeah, this is like, a, they, like a, they really, they mix the best of what people have been doing with... Uh, with Modern Warfare, aka Warzone, and then uh, used it to uh, give us a preview of Cold War. So it was, it was a lot. It was a lot more than I was expecting. I guess my expectations were low again because of the developer stuff I said and the lack of the thus far the lack of preview content outside of, you know, a few things and the Doritos bag leak. So <laughs> Austin, do we know what flavor of Doritos it was? I'm very curious. I don't cool know. Ranch? I think I think it was the blue one. I think it was oh, cool, cool ranch. ranch. Let's go. Of course it was. S <laughs> tier flavor, naturally. That's the best are one you... right there. Exactly. Are you 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 pumped for this? Like, how how excited are you for Cold, for Black Ops Cold War? I'm like very 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 heavily Treyarch. Like, I, I don't like IW games usually. Um, my favorite one was like all the way back, like Black Ops One. I love the feel of that game. I played that one probably the most out of any game I've ever played. So like this one really gave me good vibes, like watching it, and uh, I don't know. I guess I was expecting way less, and I got way more. So that's always a good thing. Yeah. This year, because like I was expecting a lot and didn't get at what I was expecting. So like I don't know. It kind of dampened my expectations, and then ah, man, it's starting to get built up again. I hope it doesn't get let down. Yeah. I do. Do can you tell us like like in previous years like. A lot of the challenges were the was the communication, I guess, between Infinity Ward and the players, or just like it, it, the way they handle esports, like Emily has said many times in the past. What about Treyarch, though? Like it, it seems as though that relationship is a little bit better. It, it, it's it's like night and day. Can you just give us some insight on that? So I've had just like very little experience last year, like within like the pro team. But like what I did, what I did have was you know. Those like the players were in contact with the devs, like they had, you know, contact with them, which is right off the rip, really awesome and important, and it should be there, like that avenue should be there. And then like when the vision pulse glitch, I believe it was, when the gun camos were causing the vision pulse not show players up, you know, it was right before a tournament actually. I remember we were warming up against heretics, and you know, the dev one of the devs reached out and was like, Hey, like We've run a bunch of things. We think he knows what it is. Like we're trying our best. Like we're we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to like see what we can do for you guys. And like that's all we ask for is just you know communication. <laughs> and like even if 
even if it's not perfect, even though it's not what the players want to hear, at least they hear it, and it's not like this who knows, which is, you know, yeah. what more could you ask for? Yeah, I mean, I think we can at least be confident that there won't be, like, these crazy mystery patches where, like, something gets patched and there's no developer communication about it. Um, and then additionally, I mean, I feel like Treyarch has a pretty good history of listening to pros. At least, like, again, e even if they're not going to change anything, at least that line of communication is open so that the pros can say, like, hey, this is actually really, really bad for us. Can, you know, like, or, like, this thing you're thinking of um, is really, really bad. And from what I've heard with IW and what I've experienced, like what we've experienced for the entirety of the year, but also like, I know a few pros have come out and said this, like, they were like, we contacted IW about this. We told them it was bad. Um, we told them this, we play tested it or whatever. And it's very obvious that they didn't listen to us and they also didn't communicate back anything. So, I mean, I think that that is also like to Austin's point, like all pros want to do is know that at least someone's listening to them, right? Like if something is really, really like poop to play and feels really bad, um, you know, maybe they won't change it for you, but at least like you can have someone who listens and then explains like, okay, we're not changing it, but like actually here is our reasoning rather than just random patches that don't, you know, don't get announced um, in the in the notes, right? Or like random changes where there's no impetus to make those changes, especially when it affects competitive play, so. Actually, I don't know how I missed this either, but there was a clip of a dev, um, I think it was one of the EU United guys, I think it was Clayster, tweeted out a clip on Arsenal Control, or Hardpoint, where the guy spawned in a weird place. And the dev actually made like a full video like talked about how he, he like put it in a simulation where the players were was trying to figure out why the guy spawned there like was it wrong was it right is there anything to fix about it and it's like yeah amazing amazing <laughs> and, this is technology is possible and it's like three in my opinion three out of the five best competitive call of duties black ops 2 black ops 3 black ops 4 have all been made by treyarch and i don't think that's by accident and, you know, even like the fourth one, a lot of people th say is uh, Sledgehammer with their AW. You know, that's not by accident. You know, a lot of the all-time best Call of Duty, Call of Duties for competitive. It's, <laughs> they're not doing it by accident, which it just gives me really high hopes for this next one, even on a short cycle. Well, we have high hopes for champs this weekend. Hopefully it's as exciting Please. as many of the matches have been, particularly this past weekend. Fingers crossed, everybody. Fingers no crossed. No technical issues, please. Easy Mac, if you could just tell your players to make the matches entertaining and fun. If you could just play Chicago Optic on loop for the next three <laughs> days and be like, replicate this if you don't mind. Play their own Knowing them, class. they're probably going to go for an assassination again because they love <laughs> doing it versus New York so much. Uh, <laughs> that would not shock me to see one. Enjoy Champs Weekend, everybody. Uh, we will be back next Wednesday uh, here on Search and Destroy to unpack everything that happened in Champs Weekend where we will discuss, of course, the next world champion. Which of the four teams will it be? Atlanta. Dallas, Chicago, or London. We will find out this weekend. Enjoy the games. Easy Mac, thanks for joining us, bud. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next week.